Welcome to our painting. This is Saratova Beth Hanukkah. What we want to know is, what is Hanukkah? What is Hanukkah exactly? Just a little bit of historical perspective. The Nachash, the Nachash Akadmaini, the snake, when it came along at the time of Adam and Chava, its job was to try to prevent the revelation of, to prevent Geula, essentially, the full revelation of Hashem. And it did a pretty good job by challenging everything, and even the opposite of life was introduced into the world. But at some point, we were victorious over the snake. I'm just going to say this in short. And once we were, we never heard from the snake again. We never, the Nachash was never our opponent again. That same snake energy then moved up to the three sons of Ham, of Nayach. Ham, Yafas, and Shane. And in terms of opposition to Kedusha. So after we finished with, after we finished with the snake, eventually then we were in Mitzrayim, Ham, one of the sons of, of Nayach. And in Mitzrayim, we know how much there was a spiritual opposition to us going and receiving the Torah. Why did we want Taro to let us go? Why did Maisha Rebbeinu say, let my people go, so that they should be able to go to Harsinai and receive the Torah? That was the whole point, which then ultimately com- culminates with Tairas HaShel Mashiach, Tairah Hadasha, fully receiving the Torah in Yemaisa Mashiach. Of course, we know that for a couple of hundred years, Paro opposed that and would not let us go. But eventually, we were victorious. Without, through our mysterious nefesh, etc., eventually we were victorious. Once we won over Chum through Mitzrayim, we never really had spiritual opposition from Mitzrayim again. Then the next place that the snake energy embedded itself to try to oppose the revelation of Kedusha was in um, Yafet, the second son of, of Nayak. Who's Yafet? Greece and Persia. So now we had the opposition from Greece, which brings us to the story of Hanukkah. And then later from Persia, which brings us to the story of Purim. Each time we were, each time we were victorious, we never had trouble from them again. The snake energy would move up to the next level, the next nation that the snake energy would embed itself in. So, since we're up to the story of Hanukkah, one of the earlier stages in opposition to Kedusha, we want to ask ourselves, what was this opposition? Again, what were they opposing? The same snake energy? Opposing the full connection between the Jewish people, Hashem and Taira, as one unit. And that's why it said, that's why they said, what was the, what were the Greeks trying to do? Lashkicham Tarasecha. To make you forget, to make you forget that it's Hashem's Taira. The point was not to make us forget Taira or stop learning Taira. 
that was the stage that the spiritual So again, the spirit, the, the spiritual opposition, as we say in the davening, was not that we have to stop learning Tyra, but we have to, if we look at a triangle, in this triangle, which is a triangle that goes throughout history, the, tr- the triangle is Hashem, Tyra, Tyra, and the Jewish people or even you as an individual. Hashem, picture the triangle, Hashem, Tyra, and the Jew. That triangle is not supposed to be separate. It's supposed to merge into one dot. And we can say that it merges into one dot. It ceases being a triangle, and the triangle shrinks and becomes one dot, the dot of Mashiach, the point of Mashiach. So if that's the case, that merging, we understand that the snake energy will oppose the merging of those three entities, will oppose the merging of Hashem, Tyra, and the Jew. Because when they come together, Tyra, Hashem, and the Jew, you have Mashiach, you have Mashiach. In fact, the job, one of the jobs of Mashiach is that he enables that triangle to shrink into one dot, the dot of Mashiach. What is that dot of... So through the spark of Mashiach in every Jew, Mashiach activates, through his spark being in every Jew, he activates the ability of every Jew to shrink into that one, to shrink into that place of one little dot. So... Right. This is the whole point. And that's why we see throughout history, every nation came along and opposed the shrinking of that triangle, Hashem and Tyra and the Jew, into one little dot. They opposed it. Even more than they opposed the shrinking of that triangle into a dot, they tried to disconnect the three parts of that triangle. Each nation tried it in a different way. So, for instance, at the time of Hanukkah, they tried to disconnect the Taira from Hashem, cut that line. There are other times in history where there was an, um, we were, let's say in the time of the Romans, they tried to disconnect the Jew from Taira. You weren't allowed to keep mitzvahs, and you weren't allowed to learn Taira. That's where they cut the triangle. In the time of Hanukkah, they cut the triangle in a different place. Not disconnect the Jew from Hashem. Not even disconnect the Jew from Tyra. But rather, remember, there are three lines in the triangle. Disconnect the Tyra from Hashem. So that's what Hanukkah is all about. And at this important point in history, what happened is it all was challenging. So here's the thing. Let's look into the Sikha. One of the Chidushim of this Yantaf of Hanukkah 
which is not only a celebration, but an opening up of this ability to shrink all of those three elements into one through Hanukkah. That's what Hanukkah is all about. So when we're shrinking them all into this one thing, um, there's a chiddush. There's a chiddush to to the holiday of Hanukkah, which is what? We don't eat a suda. We don't eat a meal. We know that in every other yantus, you celebrate it by washing, by eating a suda. You wash for hamaiti, you eat bread, you have a drink, you have bread and you have water, and then you have all the stuff that goes along with bread and water. A suda really means you wash for a piece of bread and you would drink, and that's it. You really don't need to have chicken and all that other stuff. All you need is a piece of bread. That was the suda. That was the suda. And, and that was the suda and you're, um, pulling it into your, So here we are. We have a yuntus. We don't wash. We don't have, we don't actually have a meal. There is no obligation to have a meal on Hanukkah. That's really odd. Every single other yuntus, you have to have a meal. Why would you have a meal on a yuntus? You're going to drive down all those very lofty revelations of that particular yuntus into your actual physical life by having a meal. So why aren't you doing that on Hanukkah? And of course, we know that Hanukkah, this is a well-known fact on Hanukkah. What do we do? We light lights instead. Because the miracle is not just that we were saved, but the miracle of the oil. So, and that's why it says, my Hanukkah. What is Hanukkah? Hanukkah really consists of three miracles. There are three miracles to Hanukkah. Miracle number one. Well, we'll talk about that a different day. But it is three different miracles. We won the war. That's one miracle. Second day, we found the the cruise of oil. Another miracle. The miracle. And the third day is the Menaira that was supposed to only shine for a day, shone for eight days. That's the third miracle. What is Hanukkah known as? The miracle of finding the oil. The mir- well, the miracle of Nesa Shemin. Of the miracle of Nesa Shemin. What does that mean? Does it mean, there's a miracle about the, about the oil. Now, what exactly is, all it says is, Kabul of Nesa Shemin, that we made a yantif and we made a minhag, which is to lighten the menaira, because of the miracle of the oil. Now, what part of the miracle of the oil? There are a few parts of the miracle of the oil. Not sure. Probably both. It's well known that, what do you mean? What's the miracle of the oil? There are two parts of it, right? We said what happened on the 25th and what happened on the 26th. We'll leave it to the side. But here is the question. Why do we take this particular miracle and why do we make everything revolve around this miracle. Now, remember, we're in a situation where we're looking historically how the snake energy goes throughout history. When it finally comes to Yavon, to the the country of Greece, they are fighting the revelation of Kedusha 
in their way to This is a choppy recording. <laughs> Must be like the choppiness of stop and start, stop and start, how the revelation of Kedusha is opposed and then is assisted and then opposed and then assisted and then opposed and then assisted. So it must be why this this class is start, stop, start, stop. You know, it's, uh, it's paralleling that. So again, we have a miracle of oil and we do not eat a meal. Why not? Because the nace of Hanukkah is a victory against the Yavadim, Yavadim that wanted to do what? What is the miracle? The miracle is we won, they lost. Who were they? Who lost? The Yavanim. What did they lose? They lost. They were determined to cut us, cut off Tyra from Hashem. To make us forget that it's not just a Tyra, but it's Hashem's Tyra. Just cut that line. That was their intention. Cut that line between Tyra and Hashem and make us make us let go of that. That's all. Cut the line between Tyra and Hashem. That's what they wanted to do. Did they win in the end? They were very good at it for several years. In the end, we won. So it's a spiritual victory. It's not like the, the nace of Purim, but mostly the nace is that they were Purim time, they were after the Jewish bodies, God forbid, to actually annihilate the Jewish people, Rahman's plan. Pesach too. We were saved from the slavery of, we got away from the Mitzvah. And therefore, every single holiday, we were saved. Purim, we were saved. Therefore, we bring it all down. We were physically saved. So bring it into something physical. The same thing with Pesach. We were physically saved. Mostly, so bring it into something physical. Eat a meal. So, of course, there was a spiritual part to each yantas, but mainly we were physically saved. That was the bigger part. Okay. Then, when it came to when it came to Hanukkah, first and foremost, we were spiritually saved. There was also a physical component, but first and foremost, we were spiritually saved. Therefore, celebrated in a spiritual way. Which is what? How do we celebrate in a spiritual way? Light. Not food. Light. So we could say, um, um, the physical things of the Jewish people throughout the, the, the whole year are Ruchnius, right? Noah Hashem in all your ways, and everything is used for Shem Shemayim. So, when we eat a meal, but as we said, what we just said, the main part of the yantif, this yantif was spiritual first, physical second. What do you do when you eat? You eat bread and you drink water. Those two correspond to Tyra. Bread and water correspond to Tyra. Meaning when you eat bread and you drink water, you somehow you experience that it's a muscle for Tyra. And if that's, in other words, without bread and water, a person can only survive for so long. People, I mean, bread represents the basic food that keeps a person alive. Water represents the basic drink that 
keeps a person alive. Although a person may feel like without sushi, they just, you know, there's no life. But without basic bread, there's no life. So bread is the thing that keeps a person alive. Water is the thing that keeps them alive. Tyra is the thing that keeps a person alive as a Jew. So they are muscle for Tyra. And if you want, and during the week, if that's the case, how much more so on Shabbos and Yantif, to the extent that on Shabbos and Yantif, eating and drinking, of course, is a mitzvah, so this mitzvah, and it's Shabbos and Sivkashyanta. So, and again, when it comes to these days that we were saved, Purim and Pesach, which are, as we said, um, there was a spiritual component, but it's mostly physical. So, um, what happened on Hanukkah? Besides it, Batlo Datam It's true that they they didn't the Greeks didn't want us to be involved with Tyramitsis, but the mysterious nefesh was that we stood up for we know that there were certain mitzvahs they let us do, but other mitzvahs they didn't let us we stood up with mysterious nefesh. Um For the, for the purity of Tyra. There are many, many places where the Rebbe speaks about the Greek touch in Tyra, which we'll see as it has to do with the, the cruise of oil, the Greek touch. We'll get to that. In a so the Chiddush of, of Hanukkah is, again, that it's not celebrated with a meal, take something in physically to your, your, your body, to your system, but really we celebrate with Halel and Haida to emphasize the Ruchni part of it versus it is the most spiritual Yantif. It is the Yantif that celebrates our spirit, the spiritual purity more than any other Yantif. Of course, for every other Yantif, we're celebrating the purity of the Jewish people. But first you have to exist before you can be pure. If we're not here, God forbid, What's the issue whether we're pure or not? There's nobody here to be pure or not be pure. So the, the existence of the Jew spiritually, not just a person, but a person who's different from everybody else. We said the other day, that's why the nations of the world didn't like us all through the generations. Because they were different. There's a fantastic kids video called Lights, I think. It's really, really well done. And you see the, it, it really gives you a sense of what Hanukkah is, very much so. And here you see, you know, uh, part of, you know, the story. Two Greek soldiers, young guys, they're on their horses and they're riding. And one, one of them says to the other one, he says, listen, don't get me wrong, you know, I'm not uh, bigoted or anything. You know, I uh, believe in all of mankind. And this, but there's something weird about these Jews. They're not, they're not like everybody else. They keep themselves separate, and they have different ways, and they're just different. They're separate. You know, the Greek people want everybody to merge into everybody the same. And he said, and they keep themselves, they keep themselves apart, and, and, and they're just different. All of their ways keep them different. And that's not healthy. Which, by the way, that's what we're dealing with today in the world with the globalists. The globalists are saying everybody should 
be the same, or at least the way we decide. And certainly in the globalist plan, there is no place for the Jew. Quite obviously. There is no place for the Jew in the globalist plan because globalists, you know, get to determine who's what and what's who and everybody should be the same or everybody should be the way they decide. Certainly, just you don't have to be a rocket scientist to realize that there is no place for the Jew and his way, his separateness and his different his different way then there um there's no place in the globalist plan so you know put that in your pipe and smoke it and ask whether you want the democrats to win right but there's no place for us in their global plan but utue to the sukkah so we're facing hanukkah again the greeks believed that they were the wave of the future they had the best of mankind in mind. They bet, they felt that they were the most, um, intellectually sophisticated of all of civilization. That civilization had reached its peak with them, with the Greek culture, and they felt that they had the plan to equalize all of mankind in a way that they believed intellectually was the best way. Well, good morning. Here we are again. Only, what was the difference between then and now, besides everything else? It was way back at the beginning of history. We didn't have the Nazi Hadar openly assisting us in a way that we could see. At the time of, right, at the time of uh, leaving the time, we had Meisher Bain. But who was the Nazi Hadar at the time of Hanukkah? We don't know. At the time of Purim, we had Mordechai. And he was leading us and saying, do this, don't do that. At the time of Hanukkah, it feels like we were on our own. Isn't that interesting? Right now, it feels like we're on our own. Very alone. Very alone. You know, just figure it out on your own. Very alone. And but, so here we are again, only this time, as every single time, we will be victorious. We're at the last piece of the last leg of the journey. We were victorious every single time. Kedusha will be victorious this time again. So the Chiddush of Hanukkah, which again is not with a meal, but rather Halaheda, is to emphasize the Inyan Ruchni. Everything that I just said. They will not disconnect our holy Tyra from Hashem. Um, so now... What we want to understand is we want to just look into for a few minutes those foods that for other holidays we do eat. Bread, water, wine, and oil. You know, it comes to, uh, comes to, uh, Purim. You wash for bread, you have some kind of a drink, you have whatever you serve at the meal. Chicken and wine sauce, I don't know. Uh, there's going to be oil in the. In, uh, you're going to make. You're going to make kiddush. Let's say a Shabbos meal. You're going to make kiddush with wine. You're going to wash for hamaiti on bread. You're going to have some kind of a drink. And there's going to be oil in the food, unless you're on a fat-free diet. But if you're an average person, there's going to be some oil. So the oil is kind of, you know, the yummy part of the food. Um, I always tell this story that 
I was outside of a certain restaurant a lot of years ago, a certain takeout place in Crown Heights, and a non-Jewish person walked in and said, wow, this stuff sure does smell good. Do you have anything fat-free or oil-free? And they said, oh, no, we do not. I said, sure you don't have anything oil-free? Trust us, we do not have anything oil-free. So oil is a part of what makes the, the, the food yummy. You know, it's fun to bake donuts on Hanukkah, but they sure taste a lot better when they're those greasy, oily donuts. So we want to figure out what these four foods are because they give us an insight into our lives and where we're up to historically. Bread and water are things, are basic things, as we said, that you need. You need them just to survive. Four days, a person can go for four days without water. Food, I don't know, over a month, I'm not sure how long. Bread, basics, corresponds to Nigla of Tyra, the basic external part of Tyra. What you do, Nigla of Tyra is like halakha. You can't live a Jewish life unless you have halakha. If we're not, if we don't know halakha, how do we live a Jewish life? We may feel Jewish, but unless we have Gemara, Nigla of Tyra, which teaches us what the halakha is, we're not living a basic Jewish life. So those are just the basics. How to live a basic Jewish life. How to light Shabbos candles. How to put on film. How to give tzedakah. How to, how to do all of these things. Basic. Why do you need wine? For joy. You can't live life without joy. It makes life into life. Otherwise, it's a very gray, remember the old days of the communist existence? You know, somebody went, <laughs> somebody went to Russia, you know, before, before the Iron Curtain fell, and she said, I don't know, we were supposed to meet these people in the train station, and we were supposed to give them something. She came from America, she said, I don't know. Did everybody in the, didn't anybody in the train station see these, notice these people? People said everybody was gray. Everybody in Moscow then was gray and shut down completely. They were just depressed and gray. These people were so luminous. She said, I thought they should wear masks or something. Maybe that's why we have to wear masks now because we're too luminous and we have to conceal who we really are. So you have to have that joy that comes through wine for it to be a real life. And then besides joy, you have to have tainug, pleasure, spiritual pleasure. So we're talking about, we're talking about holy joy and holy pleasure, which they're two different things. So what do, um, what does that correspond to? Holy joy and holy pleasure the hidden part of Tyra, Mysabracious, Pardis, Yadiyas Elokut. It's one thing to be told, this is what you have to do as a Jew. It's one thing to be told, this is what you have to do as a Jew. It's not necessarily fun. If it's just dry, you know, these are the halachas. I always tell the story again that I went to somebody before I was from and I said, well, let's talk about Judaism. He said, listen, Judaism is all law. What you have to do and what you don't have to do. So I said, oh, well, thank you. And I left. It did not seem like much fun at all. You know, am I going to give up my secular lifestyle um, for this? Didn't really seem too tasty. 
So because you can't just have the dry bread and water, not in this generation. You have to have it has to be delicious. Dry bread and water will not do for very long. That was for other generations. So the so the hidden parts of Tyra correspond to wine and oil. What do they do? It's what is it? Knowing Hashem. That's what makes all the halachas. That's what makes Judaism tasty. And what does it do? It gives us highest and tainos in doing the mitzvahs. Know Hashem and serve Him with a full heart. So there's a difference between chayas, you know, I have all this, ah, this chayas, this life force, this enthusiasm, and tainos. Tainos is kind of, when you really get to know Hashem, there's a very deep, un, like, not even palpable, excuse me, pleasure. It's very different from the very noisy chayas. That's why we see when a person drinks wine, they're kind of very, uh, you know, maybe rowdy. Whereas when a person's experiencing something very pleasurable, it can be a very deep internal experience. So the difference between wine of Tyra and oil of Tyra, wine goes on the secrets of Tyra and oil goes on the secrets of secrets. Like, right? Like the difference between actual wine and actual oil. Wine, you don't need it. You can really get through life without ever drinking wine. You drink it at certain special times, Yom Tov, Shabbos, etc. And you drink it in a certain amount, and it has a special bracha. Whereas oil, you don't, you, it, you, you take in oil in a totally different way. You don't say, okay, everybody, let's prepare a l'chaim, prepare your little cup of oil, and let's make a l'chaim. You don't. Why not? Oil is not something that you drink by itself. Unless you want to have that horrible, what is it? Um, uh, MTC oil. Oh, boy. So awful. (laughs) MTC oil. MCT oil. So (laughs) the taste is really awful. That's a good idea. Put it in something. Ruin the taste of the food. So oil you cannot take straight. We're going to see in a second why you can't take it straight. How do you take oil? You mix it together with other food. You don't drink it by itself. So, And you just have a little bit. So what is that? Like the oily foods that we have on Hanukkah. Why? Because wine shows on the secrets of Tyra that it are very, very precious, that you can find, you can experience, access them, but you have to treat them with tremendous awe and respect. It's called Razin de Tyra. And the deeper secrets of Tyra, Razin de Razin of Tyra, are, are secrets of Tyra that are so powerful and so deep and so holy that you can't see them. You can't just put them out there. You can't just internalize them. You have to take them as they're mixed with everything else, like the oil that you can't just drink. But you have to mix it with everything else and you sort of get it through the other stuff. That is, um, that, uh, sorry, that is a latka. As we're going to see here, I'm trying to find the footnote. 
Well, one of the things we see, what does it say? You cannot use the light of the Menaira, those candles, to read a book. Why not? Because the light that comes out of there is so high, it's not it's not the kind of light that you can use in everyday life. It's a light that comes from a hidden domain from a whole other place. It has to come all concealed in wrapping paper and mixed up with other things. You can't take it straight. In your Mice Mashiach, you'll be able to take it straight. But right now, you can't take it straight. So, where do we see? Do we have any food? That, 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 that shows us this? Do we have any food connected with Hanukkah? Yeah. What? Suskaniyot, donuts, or latkes. And it's only a minhag. It's a cost, it's a custom. So why do you have to, why do we eat suskaniyot, donuts? Watch this. Remember we said four foods. Bread, water, wine, and oil. Bread and water go on halacha. So you take flour and water and you mix them together with a little sugar and a baking powder or yeast or whatever. There's your bread and water, essentially. You mix it together and then you take oil, you put a little oil in there and then you fry it in oil. That's the donut. That's the big feature of Hanukkah. That's the donut. And then you spice it up a little bit with some jelly and all this other stuff and chocolate and custard. So what is the thing? The donut is the exemplification. The donut is telling you that this is what Hanukkah is about. You're taking the oil in a way that it doesn't come straight. It comes mixed with everything else. Why are you eating the donut? For the oily taste. You can get away with baking donuts, but that's not the real thing. The point is to have oily foods on Hanukkah. The point is to have this deep, the oil of Tyra on Hanukkah mixed in with the bread and water of Hanukkah. But meaning, in a simpler way, the point is to somehow access the deepest secrets of Tyra, Hashem's deepest secrets that normally he never told anybody. The point is to get them and get them, but get them in a way that we're ready to get them right now. I'll switch to something for a second to illustrate it. Right now we're dealing with a strange period in in, in history, right? We know, and um, somebody said yesterday, they said, when people will listen to this replay seven years from now in the future, it will seem so strange because we're at a moment in history now where we don't know what's going to happen. And it'll seem, and, and we're we're concealing everything in, you know, we're trying not to say certain things and we're concealing everything in the shalom, et cetera. And when the cat's out of the bag and everything has changed seven years from now and all of life has changed and is so radically different, we're going to listen to these classes and it will seem really strange. I even listened to um, some classes from Rabbi Wolf from last February. And it's weird. It's like a, uh, a culture shock because it's pre-corona. Nobody knew about Corona. And the way he's speaking is so different. It's kind of so innocent. It's speaking from a place where the world hasn't shut down. And it's a whole other reality. It's a completely other reality. So that's going to be in the future, too. We're going to listen to these shiurim. We're going to say, what? 
What were they talking about? Today we're we're coaching everything in other things. Today, the most we can hop, if we're going to get to know the deepest secrets of Hashem right now, we're not necessarily open to hearing the, the truth as it is straight. Half of America cannot hear the truth straight. They just are not ready to hear it. Yeah? They're not ready to hear it. We have to really give it to them drop by drop by drop. We understand this is in the unholy sense. They're not ready to hear truth. They're not vessels for the truth. So, right, we've seen that. So that means that we can understand a situation in which there's light that needs to come down. There are the deepest secrets of Hashem, and they want to come into the world. We're not vessels for them. We're not ready to hear them. We're not ready to receive them. So what do you do? Wrap them up with a bunch of stuff that's easier for us to digest. Wrap them up with bread and water. Wrap the oil up with bread and water. It's called a donut. And then you're able to take the oil. So wrap up the deepest secrets of, ha- of Hashem in um, a dvaratari about the Parsha. You see that in all, really all the Maimarim that the Rebbe says, the Rebbe says, so this week the Parsha is Miketz. And in Miketz, the Haftarah says this, this, and this. Or the Halacha says that. It's all wrapped up. It's a wrapping paper. The details of the Parsha are usually the wrapping paper in which a deep, brand new secret about Hashem is being revealed that was never revealed before. That's each one of the Maimarim, especially the Maimarim of the Rebbe and each of the Rebbeim. What they do is they start off by talking about something fairly familiar in Tyra. Again, Parsha, Haftira, Halacha, Pasuk and Tanakh. And while they're talking about it, they come out with a brand new secret about Hashem that regular people were never told before. This is the way it happens. Every single time. Each one of the Maimarim. From each one of the Rebbein. I'm not sure... So we could say that if you want to if you want to look at the maimarm of the of the seven rebellion and ask yourself this process of the maimarm what are they the maimarm themselves what are they they are a decoy please excuse me for saying that they are a decoy for the rebellion to be able to reveal first time ever secrets deep secrets about Hashem to simple people. In, in a way that they never had permission to do that before. Every time there's a mimer said, it means that another barrier was broken and permission was given to reveal another secret to the simple people. Not just, you know, obviously, we don't know what happens by tzaddikim. But we, every time we learn a new mimer, we realize that Rebbe was just given permission to reveal a deep, deep secret about Hashem in a way that he was never given permission before, and the people weren't ready for that secret. And so to speak, the decoy for the, being able to, the process of telling us the secret is, you know, a Pusik in, in, in Tanakh, a Pusik in the Parsha, etc. And, and we don't realize that. Imagine that you open up a mimer, and it says, um, or you hear a shear from somebody, and they say what I'm saying, which sounds a little strange, you know, we're about to now reveal to you something that was never revealed to mankind, regular people, ever before in all of history. 
you'd get really nervous and say, um, yeah, I, I actually have to uh, fill up my car with gasoline, maybe later. It's too scary. Right, right. It's too scary. So nobody tells you that, but that's essentially what's happening. You're being told a brand new secret that no one was ever told before. Right. So it's very, right, it's scary or it's, it's exciting, but it's a, it's, a, it's, it's a thing that never happened before. And even if the mimer was said before, but let's say a mimer that we're, this sicha that we're learning now, Parshas Nikkei, Hanukkah, Tafshin, Nun Base. It's been learned for 30 years, but it was never learned before by regular people in a year with the American elections being the way they are and the world situation being the way it is. Never before in history, it was never learned, this mimer was never learned before in the year Tafshin Pei Alf by us. It's the first time. What is going to be revealed through this sicha at this point is something that was never revealed to people like us before, and we weren't ready for it. So something revolutionary will happen. And the way it's going to come is a secret, a deep secret, razin de razin de tyra, the oil of tyra, the essence of tyra, being all wrapped up in a pasuk in Chumash, etc., in, in more basic tyra. Now, okay, is there, a, could we see a visual of that? What would this whole thing that I'm talking about look like? What would a visual, if somebody could make a picture of it or something? Yeah. Not only can we make a picture of it, we can actually taste it. Yeah? Like what? Called a donut. A donut is what I just described. A deep, deep secret. The oil. All mixed up, concealed within the bread, the flour and the water. The bread and the water. That's a donut. And it has a little flavoring to make us, you know, in the mood to... Try something so intense. In fact, I just saw a video, a bunch of, you know, Americans in the, in the IDF and the Israeli army, they were eating donut after donut, good for them to eat so much white flour, um, and they had to bite into the donut and see which each one was filled with. So one was filled with ketchup and it was awful. One was filled with mayonnaise. Um, one was filled with um, wasabi. And they had to guess. I think one was filled with chocolate. All kinds of things. You know, they had to bite in. And then all of a sudden they get to the middle and like, oh, okay. So that's it. We're biting into a part of Tyra to find out a brand new secret. We are now in a period of time when we're essentially consuming donuts all the time. We're getting incredible secrets about Hashem. And not only to us, the whole world is starting to think about what is truth and what is not truth. Not everybody's ready to hear the truth, but everybody's thinking about this thing. Some people say, no, that's not true. And some people are saying, yes, it is true. People are starting to be um, uh, what's obsessed with truth. Great. What truth? The oil. They're thinking about the founding fathers, the Avos, right, of, of the United States. They're thinking about that. What is truth? They're taking things back to the source and saying, 
So what is the truth about everything? What is the truth about what America was founded on? What is the truth about how America is operating? What is the truth? What is the truth? What is the truth? Where does truth come from? The truth that they want? It comes from the deepest truth. What is the deepest truth? The deepest secrets of Hashem. The wine of Tyra, and even deeper than that, the oil of Tyra. So everybody now is thinking about the oil of Tyra without realizing consciously. Give me the truth. Let's, let, let's, let, let's explore the truth, the oil of Tyra, the deepest secrets of what God himself has to tell us. But we're not ready to just drink it, you know, take it straight. So give it to us in a donut. Give it to us mixed up with basics, with basics, bread and water. And we could say in terms of the political realm, what are the basics? You know, he said that, they said this, the electrical, electoral college, the, the voting system, the, <laughs> the polls, the, you know, all this stuff, the Senate, the Congress, the yada, da, 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 the basics of American life. It's all mixed up with that in this whole battle to unravel every detail of what American life is all about. What for? And what is real leadership? What is real leadership? Because, right, thank you, because one of the deepest secrets, if we're trying to find out truth, there's a really deep secret that Hashem has. If truth is all derived from the ultimate truth, of Hashem, what is, when you go step by step into the truth of Hashem, what are you going to find out is one of his deepest secrets? And I'll tell you, we, I, I'm just quoting this from a shir that I heard 30 years ago. What is Hashem's deepest secret? Not, I'm not making this up, I quote this from Hashem. Hashem's deepest secret is, this is what Rabbi Friedman said, I think, who is Mashiach? Who is Mashiach? That's his deepest secret. And it was kept as a secret for a long time. Who is Mashiach? What is Mashiach? What is leadership? What is a leader supposed to do? What is the role of a leader? What is the role of a leader in leading the world? If, if Mashiach is Jewish, what is his, what is the secret about what he is here to do with the, with the nations of the world? What are the nations of the world supposed to do? What is Asaph here to do? What is Asaph here to accomplish? What is Yishmael here to accomplish? How should they accomplish it? How should the people support the leadership of Asaph? If Asaph is, is Asaph on track with truth or not with truth? And if not, what do we need to do to get him on, on track with truth? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So all of this comes in the form of a visual of a donut. So to end off, we're in the fifth Hanukkah light, and it represents a very great darkness because it can never come out on Shabbos, and therefore it's a day of very great revelation, but it will often come in a very concealed way. And the same with the Menaira. In the Menaira, what you see in the Menaira is what you don't see. The Menaira is in the light of Mashiach is embedded in the Menaira. The light of Mashiach is absolutely embedded in the Menaira, and yet you have to have special eyes to be able to see it. We will look at it, and we will often see darkness. We look around in the world, 
you see that the, the light, the menaira is lifted, but the world is very dark, and the world gets darker every moment. Yet the menaira is showing us the truth. You look at the world, and it looks dark. It looks darker tonight than it did last night. You look, look up at, in the sky, at the moon tonight. It looks darker than it even did last night. Because the moon is even smaller, shining less light. So if you look out into the world, you're going to see darkness. If you look at the Menaira, it's a view into a secret world. The world of the oil of Tyra, the oil, the essence of Tyra, the essence of Hashem, the essence of truth. The light of Mashiach, the, the essence of Mashiach is embedded in the Menaira. There it is, embedded in the Menaira. And so... We want to ask ourselves which one we believe. Do we believe what we see by looking out at the world tonight, looking at the moon, or, or and in general looking at the world, or do we want to believe what we see in the in the Hanukkah Menaira? The light and the essence of Mashiach are there shining. We need to attune our eyes to this and, and recognize that something wondrous is happening as we speak. It will come out eventually, maybe very soon, and then we'll celebrate. But the time to celebrate is now to realize if we see increased darkness, what's really happening is increased light, the light of the Gulen Mitzvah So may we find ourselves on this fifth night of Hanukkah in the Gulen Mitzvah immediately now.